2: This episode of Bush's Breakway is brought to you by you, the listener, and all the support you give us. Obviously, this has been a very weird day situation, and I've said a million times to people around me, I think this is the biggest Ranger story in the last year. I think I've said that nine times this year. I don't know how it keeps happening. It It just keeps coming. So we'll talk all things Artemi Panarin. We have Ishan Theroux. Of the Washington Post, come on. He's the foreign affairs columnist to talk about everything with our Ted He's a huge Ranger fan and a fan of the show. We discuss Eichel trades. Everything happens in this show. We talk about the sun. Let's get to Mark Messier and uh, I guess go from there. Here we go.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
2: Fans. welcome to the week of the Busher's Breakaway. Actually, take two of the open, the lost files. I may or may not have recorded the beginning of this podcast on the wrong mic, so we are re-recording again. You'll never hear it. Good news, nothing important happened. Quinn got inducted to the Rhode Island Hall of Fame, which is a place that is real, by the way. And of course, Gregory, uh, something happened with the Mets, including Trevor nope. Bauer, which I'm sure you're yep. running up. Uh, I guess nope. I should do the, the appropriate open, since we are recording for the second time, so I'll try it one more time. Hey, Bruce Breakup fans, welcome to the other Breakaway. I am your host, Ramita, The Athletic. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg Kaplan, also The Athletic. Gregory, say hello.
1: Wait, are we doing it for a third time, or is this all part of the second That's time? That's all part of the I second need, time. I know, because... I am charging the athletic for this. <laughs> That's all. It's
2: a good way they to are start. getting.
1: They are getting another invoice. I had to do two. I had to talk to Ryan for an extra 20 minutes tonight. And by God, I deserve to get paid. For
2: Unbelievable this. stuff. We do have a great interview with our friend, Ishan Theroux.
1: Well, my, my friend, you apparently don't. Follow okay, him so I Twitter. did
2: follow him on Twitter before this, even though we've been interacting on Twitter for five years. I don't know how that's
1: possible. Unbelievable! You because you're a bad person. I it's guess really that's it.
2: I guess that's it. How do we even start this podcast, uh other than talking about David Quinn? And, uh, for the <laughs> I don't even start this podcast again for the, the th- for the third time without talking about David Quinn in Rhode Island, but mostly about what happened today with the New York Rangers.
1: whichever oh, I thought you were going to
2: say yes for Trevor Bauer. So. The New York Rangers, we woke up this morning, Gregory, at the beginning of the day, we thought to ourselves, hey, what's going to happen with the New York Rangers? Probably nothing. It's a Monday. News never breaks for the New York Rangers on a Monday, as we know at this point in time. It's definitely, they don't have a history of that whatsoever. And we had a great win against the Capitals over the weekend. Uh, Very convincing. Probably the second most convincing win of the season. I I think, personally, for me, maybe the most convincing win, even though they won 5-0 against the Islanders, because I feel the Islanders quit that night, and the Capitals... Always tried to get back into that game. They really did, and they still lost four-one. But we woke up today, and around ten thirty, Artemi Panarin announced at that point in time that he would be stepping away from hockey. Well,
1: we shouldn't say he announced. That's it.
2: correct. It was it was per Larry Brooks was the first tweet I saw. Breaking news: Panarin is taking a leave of absence from New York Rangers in the aftermath of a political hit piece against him from Russia, alleging that he beat up an eighteen-year-old girl in Russia, two thousand eleven. Now. We found out since that it wasn't actually in Russia, and that it was uh, in another state. I believe it was uh,
1: country called Latvia. Uh,
2: yes, sorry, my apologies. I'll get yeah. raked over the flames for that one. Third time we're recording this. Uh, it was in Latvia, and I guess there's there's a couple things we should get out of the way first, Gregory, uh, mm-hmm. with this story. First, first things first. If the allegations are true, it's an absolutely vile story. Uh, anybody who is has done anything of of that ilk of an act deserves punishment deserves not to be in the NHL I think you and I are very clear on that there has been a lot of dispute from many different writers across uh Russian sports coverage is that, is that how you want to write it Twitter etc that have disputed this story in many different ways to say it is maybe a political hit piece maybe it is a uh, just a coach, a former coach unhinged at this point in time. But there is there's a lot there to sort of dissect. The story has many different layers.
1: Yeah, it's difficult, I think is the most appropriate way to describe the story. Like you said, uh, the first things you have to address when you're talking about this story is the allegation itself. And if it's proven to be true, uh, disgusting, abhorrent, I don't care The name of the player that commits an act like that, it's unacceptable. It has no place in our society. It needs to be dealt with harshly and swiftly. Um, Now, that being said, the important circumstances that we have to keep in mind when talking about this story, it's not coming from a victim, it's coming from a head coach that coached Panarin back in 2011. And we should say these are not our words, this is not our opinion. This is what has been reported by um, a number of Russian sports media outlets on Twitter that the source of this information is, to put it lightly, untrustworthy. To put it frankly, they. I've seen him called a drunkard. I will, I've will. i seen him yes. called a loose cannon. I've seen him called straight up radical and someone that would want to say certain things about someone, in this case, Artemi Panarin who has not notoriously but famously anti putin views that he is not afraid to share with a wide audience this is perslava malamud and he's
2: a uh, the according to him the russian twitter expert of sports uh, Narazov, the mentally unstable ex KHL coach slash NHL goon is claiming that our Panarin beat up an 18 year old girl in Russia bar years ago. He says it's set a pattern of evil behavior that has culminated in his anti Putin statements. Russian media is now running with this. So there have been many, many people. I mean, there, I, we have one here from Alvis Kalaninis. I'm going to butcher that. So I'm just calling Alvis. He reached out to the Perkin. Spose Perkin. Postperkin, What the hell is wrong with me? per person? Wow. Three, three times a charm. If that's what this podcast is, time. Three times a charm. As well as multiple other sources have told me that there's no such issue that has occurred. One person who I spoke with answered with, no, absolutely not. If you look at what Nazarov has said and do a little research, you'll instantly see through his lies.
1: Yes. it's The source of this information is troublesome in his own right. However, with that being said, right. we also need to mention that the New York Rangers have come out strongly against these accusations. We've seen the same from the NHL. Um, we've seen the same from Panarin's agent. I don't think we've actually heard anything from Panarin himself, but there are very good reasons for why we haven't, because this is a man who, from what we've been able to gather, seems to be fearful for loved ones, and he needs to figure that out first and foremost. doesn't matter what the New York Rangers do. doesn't matter how many games – He misses for the New York Rangers. doesn't matter how the New York Rangers play without Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin's chief goal right now is to make sure that his family is fine. And if he thinks that he needs to step away from hockey in order to make sure that the family he has left behind in Russia is safe and not facing political persecution, uh, yeah, do it. Do it for as long as you need. We'll see you when we see you, if we see you. You, The whole reason he plays hockey – He's not doing it just because he loves it. He's doing it for his family. And if he, he's got to protect his family. Right.
2: Point blank. Yeah. That's simple. There's a, we get into it a little bit with Ishan later. He is the foreign affairs columnist for the Washington post. And he has a little more insight on what's going on over in Russia and what might have driven this to have happened. If uh, at this point in time, which is, it's just has strange timing to say the least, but Artemi has to protect his family because there has been a lot of situations where in Russian state history, at least from our knowledge, I mean, we say in the interview later, they tried to, to poison, allegedly, the opposition, as opposition leader last year. So I can understand as to why Artemi Panarin would go wanted to go take care of his family at this point in time. My gut reaction, Gregory, and I, I said this earlier when we recorded the first time is, and I say later in the interview too. I think this might be uh, the last we see of our Panarin this year. To me, my gut feel is that he steps away for a reason here to make sure all of his ducks are in order, to make sure that his family is safe, to make sure that the top priority of his life is, hey, is everyone I love and care about being taken care of, and can I can I go to bed at night knowing I did all I can? Hockey is secondary to me at this point. I hope I'm wrong, and in the fact that I that he comes back sooner than later, and he gets this all sorted out, and that everyone is safe. But for right now, I I am. My gut feel is that we don't see Artemi Panarin the rest of the season. As strange as that sounds,
1: I don't know if it sounds strange. It's it's the way it needs to be at this point in time. When you take a step away, you're not taking a step away. I don't expect Artemi Panarin to be doing any skating in the step away that he's doing. I expect him to get his affairs in order and how they need to be in order. And I need him, I expect him to take care of the business he feels like he needs to take care of. Whether that takes a couple weeks, whether that takes a couple months, it's not for us to say. It's not for the Rangers to say either. And I think the Rangers would be the first ones to tell you that it's not for them to say either as well. They understand what's going into. We when we were planning to do this podcast, there were talking points we would like to discuss, I'm sure. Like the Rangers performance. Um over the weekend on Saturday afternoon against the Capitals when they played one of their better games. And they played one of their better games because David Quinn, who apparently we can confirm. Listen to opinion, this podcast, absolutely. Uh he listens to this podcast. Glad you texted he heard him, Gregory. Me, he heard well, I didn't have to text him. I told him, buddy, just listen to the OT on Thursday and I'll tell you everything you need to know. And he was like, listen to I... a
2: top 10 New York Rangers podcast every single Incredible. week. I guess I will. Incredible.
1: Twice a week, even. Uh he, i the reason the rangers needed to move Artemi Panarin up to that top line to get players like Mika Zibanejad and Alexi Lafreniere more involved offensively because Panarin was the source of the rangers offense and these players were struggling offensively how do you counteract their struggles by putting them with someone that can help elevate their games and that's what artemi panarin did and it's that's what our time, we could have assumed artemi panarin was going to continue to do and we could have seen it different because it been a jet moving forward this season. That's gone. We don't know how long it's gone for. And it's honestly, again, it's not important. If the Rangers lose the next fifteen games that our Temi doesn't play, tough shit. It is what it is. Like it this man, it, it's we we live in such a political time now. We where do. Whether whether we want like it or not, whether this was always the way it was and we're just realizing it now, everything seems to be political but here in the united states even in light of everything that has happened over the last 2 months 3 months 4 months it's starkly different than what happens in russia and i it's we're not being flippant when we say something like this is a life and death situation it could be that's the those are the stakes you play with when you speak out against someone as powerful as vladimir putin in a place as run by Putin, that Russia is. Right. If Artemi Panarin truly believes that his family is at risk because Panarin made an Instagram post in support of Russia's opposition leader and has made multiple comments to multiple out- outlets before about his distrust and distaste of how Putin runs Russia and his desire to see hit the country that he loves and the country that he is from Become something better than what it is now. If he feels like those actions have now put his family at risk, and he needs to protect his family, buddy, do what you got to do. Take as much time as you need. You don't need to play a stupid sport for shits and gigs. Go do your thing. When we, if a fan gets upset about it, it's not so. That's not even a fan. It's barely a person.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm an Artemi Panarin fan. As as as. Pretty much all of us are that listen to this podcast. It does seem out of character for uh, for the allegations. But, hey, I've been surprised before. I really have. So I, I'm waiting for see more information here. But everything we've seen, everything we've read, Gregory, has pretty much pointed into a different direction. I think it's actually super important to read the New York Rangers' statement from for, on this situation, which is, Artemi vehemently and unequivocally denies any and all allegations in this fabricated story. This is clearly an intimidation tactic being used against him for being outspoken on recent political events. Artemi is obviously shaken and concerned and will take some time away from the team. The Rangers fully support Artemi and will work with him to identify the source of these unfounded allegations. This is by far the strongest statement the New York Rangers have ever released in our six years covering the team at this point in time. This is something they responded to quickly. This is the most aggressive they've been with it. And they're not the only ones that have done it too. the NHL have also at this point. So there has there a, been a bunch of denial. We'll have to wait and see how this plays out. I'm curious as to see how it plays out. Obviously, as I'm very invested in the, the well-being of Artemi Panarin, because he plays for my favorite hockey team and the hockey team I cover on a weekly basis. And he, not only that, it is his team, and he's the key to the future of success for the New York Rangers. I don't even think that's a question at this point. He is the most important player on the New York Rangers. And I hope I hope all of this comes out as false. I hope this all comes out with him and his family okay and safe. And I hope him back on the ice as soon as he's ready. And that's all I can hope for, Greg.
1: Yeah, we've been critical of Rangers PR statements in the past. And I'm sure we'll be critical of Ranger PR statements in the future. But no bones about it. That is the most defiant and immediate statement we've seen the Rangers release. Because they released it less than an hour after the report originally came out from larry brooks that we were I, and i feel see. like
2: they were blindsided too
1: by this i just they must have they must have been because I, it's just my opinion again, this team played saturday afternoon mm-hmm. right this you're there we can only we are just children that try to read the tea leaves we yeah, don't actually we're just tea leaf readers tea.
2: i think we said on the podcast that we had to re-record and sorry that we're doing this again greg and my apologies but you you said it best when we signed up for this six years ago almost at this point didn't think we'd be talking international
1: affairs on blue Shirts breakaway. No. Shirt's no, we, between us, have one <laughs> political science yeah. college class under our belt. That's correct. And I, I need. I think it's important to lay out the circumstances in which I took that course. That course was taken second semester of junior year. That's important for people to realize because you need to realize that second semester junior year for people that uh, graduated in the year 2011, that means we were all turning 21 that semester. Interesting. So I- just – not, no,
2: if everyone else out there is tea leaf readers, they can figure uh-huh. this out.
1: Yeah, needless to say, uh, we had always abided by the law and never once touched the devil's don't juice. Don't get fired. Before, <laughs> before, <laughs> don't get fired. Before our 21st birthday. Yeah, not, not get fired. I don't want to get grounded. If my mom ever listened right. to this and heard, uh, fun, 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 not a, I mean, this is not a really a fun podcast, but a fun story, a fun aside. Um, junior year was the first year my parents let me take a car on campus. And the rule was for me to keep the car all year i had to make dean's list first semester greg kaplan made dean's list first semester only semester in his entire college career he made dean's list because he needed a car congratulations Uh, second semester well, you couldn't take a car away from me now. So Greg got put on academic probation within <laughs> literal weeks of the semester starting. Very nice. Needless to say, I didn't pay a lot of attention in this course, but I rallied. I think I got to be. Life is good. I took world. Um, I
2: took worldviews and values as my first transfer in course. So I think I understand all the worldviews and values now.
1: I didn't even know Marist offered that course. Good for Marist. Shout out Marist College. Good for you guys. Uh, Have us back. Yeah, it's to be clear to be concise, to be as upfront about this as we possibly can. The fact of the matter is we don't know. We have we no don't idea. Know. We have no idea. No one really knows. What we do know is we're not hearing from a victim. We are hearing from people that were around Artemi at the time that say it didn't happen. What we do know is this coach that is saying these things, to say he has a deplorable reputation would be putting it lightly. We know that this coach has a political agenda that does not line up with Artemis. The coach himself has said it. He's called Panarin's uh, comments and opinions toward Russia since this incident happened as straight-up evil. Um, There are political factors at play here that would lead you to question whether this actually happened considering the source, considering the country of Origin, considering everything involved, we simply don't know. We have no reason to believe that this account of this night in Latvia occurred at the same time. That doesn't clear anybody of anything, and we don't want it to be true. That is obvious. We enjoy reading for our Ted Panarin, we enjoy watching him play hockey. I would enjoy continuing to watch that from a personal standpoint, but fact of the matter is at this point in time, we simply do not know. So it's, if I can't imagine being an Artemi Panarin's shoes or skates or whatever article of clothing, he decides to wear on his feet on a given day. I can't imagine being him and trying to do anything that isn't protecting his family. I, I, it's not how I'm wired. It's not how you're wired. I don't think it's how 97% of our listeners are wired. If he needs to step away so he can take care of his affairs, he can make sure everyone is okay, make sure everything is fine back home, he's got to do it. And it, I, it, it doesn't matter how long he does it. It doesn't matter if Mika Zibanejad continues to struggle when he's gone. It doesn't matter if the New York Rangers can't find a way to replace his scoring or Heedle's scoring or Kako's scoring at this point. It doesn't matter how many games are won. It doesn't matter how many games are lost. It doesn't matter how many minutes David Quinn is playing Julian Gauthier. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter if Jack Johnson's back in the lineup. Now that it matters. doesn't matter if Jack Johnson solves world peace. Okay, well, None that, of it matters. Matter. None of it matters. This guy needs to take a step back. He needs to understand what is happening in his life because his life is not just hockey. And he's made it very clear that he doesn't want his life to be just hockey. You know how we know that? Because he's made these statements in the past. Right. He cares deeply he's, he's pretty about ag- the future of his country. It's
2: not only that, he's a pretty like active guy in the in, in community in New York too. He's made a lot of donations, made a lot of appearances. He's been very – he's very pro-social change in these ways. Not trying to be like a Panarin supporter, like trying to – Get away from! I am a Panarin supporter. As the person he is, obviously, if the allegations are true, that's still disgusting. But everything he's done in his character hasn't really shown that. He's shown he wants to help communities constantly. So we do know that, Greg.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird thinking about what this podcast was going to be before strange this new well, let's let's talk about
2: like what we do know right like the things we we do know well which is the new york rangers we are experts in that in that field in that topic and this, some people
1: would disagree with that statement
2: um, okay we are idiots who talk about the team David. constantly i got you um and this is a situation where the new york rangers were already struggling to score you already mentioned that they are a team that have played close hockey games Who really all their offense, at least that I can think of for the most part, either is accidental where the puck accidentally falls into the net or it's a perfect pass from Artemi Panarin. That's the only two ways the New York Rangers score currently. One of those ways is going away for who knows how long starting now. Maybe Artemi Panarin is back by Sunday. Maybe that's the case. But my gut feel says it's a lot longer than that. So with that being said, the New York Rangers are going to struggle Finding offense over the next couple weeks. They do not have Philip Heedle. It's officially 20 minutes and 33 seconds into this podcast, Gregory. of mm. the second time we were recording it. The second time. And even on the second time we got to 20 minutes and we still haven't mentioned the Lord and Savior Capocacco being on COVID protocol for the second time again. He's now out for an undetermined amount of time just despite what uh, Quid says doesn't know when he's coming back. He says he's feeling well. That's all we know. This team doesn't have Capococco. This team doesn't have Philip Heedle. Jacob Truba is out. This team is now without Artemi Panarin. Mikas Abidjad is an icicle. Ryan Strom is still doing his best to miss every net possible. This will be a team that struggles no matter what. Who's going to be playing a Flyers team who, who is begging to get back into the win column at this point in time. And then going against a, a Bruins team, which is hot as hot can be, wearing singing Barbie girl and wearing maybe the best NHL outfits we've ever seen at Lake Tahoe. And I can't believe this, Greg. Now we're we're 21 minutes and 28 seconds. And we haven't even talked about the sun ruining the NHL. That's what, you
1: know, we didn't, we didn't even talk about the sun the first time. I know. I just, I got, I got to know. We'll get back to Panarin in a second. What the hell happened to the NHL media? where everyone decided to drink the Kool-Aid and give I, Gary I, Batman a
2: beer. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here because I it, it is a
1: cool idea. I, I I That's fine, Ryan. It's a great idea. But, like, we do this every year. Every year there's a problem with ice and outdoor games because they try to play them at noon. I Like, the, the, the thing that was unforgivable to me, fine. You want to try to play the first game son. in the middle of the afternoon and you can't and you finish it. That's great. They understood they needed to delay the game. I need to know why Gary Bettman delayed the game, Ryan, and failed to look at when sunset was the next day and say the game will start after sunset. What did you think was going to – did he think the sun just wasn't going to be as warm the next day? Maybe it was sunsetting. It's less warm. That nobody <laughs> didn't schedule the game for sunset, Ryan. That's the... – oh. I know, I know, I know. I, get, I don't want to say anything yep. that gets anybody in trouble. At the same time, I have a lot of questions as to why everyone – almost everyone all of a sudden turned the criticism around. Do you want to know why people making fun of the NHL?
2: I I can tell you why, because the shots we got of the teams playing on the ice at Lake Tahoe, even with the sun setting or all that was absolutely beautiful. And it's one of the rare, I don't think it'll ever something like that will never happen again in our lifetime when it comes to hockey.
1: Really? Yeah. You know why it won't happen again in our lifetime when it comes to hockey? Because you can't play hockey in that environment. (laughs) That's why it won't happen again in our lifetime. You won't see it again because it's, Literally impossible. Why is it impossible? Because the sun is out. What does the sun do? It melts fucking ice. Mm-mm. Like I just real, real
2: investigative detective stuff there, just, Gregory.
1: I just oh Ryan, oh well, thank God we re-recorded this because if we went this entire podcast without me going on that mini rant right there. I would have, I would have felt bad about it after the fact. I but... totally understand.
2: Back to teddy oh. Panarin, the team is going to struggle. I don't have to tell you this. He's the best player on the uh, on the team. He's one of the best players in the league. This gives an opportunity to Lafreniere to slide up to the left first line. I don't know if Chris Kreider will get that 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 chance first. Lafreniere is going to have a lot more ice time. Hopefully, that can build his confidence. If you want any silver lining from this absolutely horrible situation that has shocked me to my core, that's the only one I can really find at this point.
1: Yeah, I I also I I've never thought of what this would mean for the Rangers' salary cap situation. I also don't necessarily care what it would mean for the Rangers. Salary cap situation, it's not important enough for the circumstances we are talking about. Like, whatever lines David Quinn wants to run out there Wednesday, fine. it, it It's not as important as what we're talking about now. And we go into this with Ishan, and it, it, it's worth questioning. It, something else has to be up, whatever it is, for Panarin to take a step away. It, we, we would think th- – I, I – I, I, I honestly don't know. I don't want to speculate because I don't want to yep. say something. There's that nothing straight up isn't we, true. And we don't know. I just want I want Panarin to be safe. I want his family to be safe. I hope he gets to a point where he can play hockey again. If he doesn't feel like that's this year, that's fine. It will we'll, we will cross that bridge whenever that bridge needs to be crossed. It's not whatever whether the Rangers win or lose without Artemi Panarin is just not important. It's him figuring out whatever he needs to figure out. Because this story, when we say it's a matter of life and death, that is not hyperbole. Hyperbole, that is not an exaggeration. Hyperbole. That is not us trying to say something for clicks. We are talking about a country that just operates on a level that we cannot comprehend. And if Artemi Panarin feels that any thoughts or posts or stances he's taken in support of an opposition leader to Vladimir Putin If he feels like he needs to step away from hockey to make sure his family is safe, he needs to step away from hockey to make sure his family is safe.
2: And if you disagree with us, we've already told you about our credentials. With that being said, I think it's good to go to a credentialed person uh, who actually knows a lot about this situation, which is why we brought Ishan Theroux on. All right, let's let's go ahead and transition over to that, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Here we go. Transition. Hey, we've been waiting to do this interview for a long time. Just so happened that uh, we have someone that we think is perfect for this situation. We have Ishan Throer from the Washington Post. He's a foreign affair columnist. Ishan, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you.
2: Absolutely (laughs) a pleasure, uh, except the situation. We would like to have you on at a time where we could talk about, you know, going to the playoffs and talking about the Rangers' fun rebuild, the third lottery ball this summer, but we're going to talk about (laughs) – uh, Foreign affairs, which just happens to be your specialty. I don't know if you heard what happened today with our Panarin. You probably did. Uh, there's allegations coming out from a former, quote unquote, disgraced coach over in the uh, over in Russia, saying that there are allegations of him uh, getting into a fight in a bar with an 18 year old girl, and now uh, he has stopped or is going to step away from hockey. There's been many, many statements coming out saying that this pers- this could be politically motivated you know, we kind of brought you on to to give the fans out there that are listening. Why would this be politically motivated? What, what is going on in Russia and how can we all make heads or tails of this?
3: Okay. Well, that's a lot to, to sort through. I think the first thing I should say is that, you know, I'm not, I'm based here in Washington. I'm not somebody in Moscow who would have the sharpest read of the situation there. And of course, nor am I someone who's, who has the sharpest read of uh, the situation within the Rangers camp and the decisions that have been made there regarding Artemi? Uh, I I am somebody who can talk a bit about world affairs, and I'm somebody who loves the New York Rangers. So that's that's from yeah you know, that's where I'm coming from here. But um, to to get into it, yeah, it's 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 a bit bewildering. The the crux of it is you had Andre Andre Nazarov. I don't know if you guys remember watching him in the league. He was a bit of a goon a uh, kind of enforcer type player who then went back to Russia and as a coach, he gave an interview to this uh, pro-Kremlin newspaper. Basically, that's entirely about, the interview is entirely about this one incident in 2011, uh, where a very young Artemi Panarin, I think he was 19 or 20 years old, apparently uh, went to a bar in Riga, which is in Latvia, it's not in Russia, uh, and had an altercation with a woman, and uh, in the interview, if you read the Google Translate version, which I'm sure you all can do, uh, Artemi Panarin apparently delivers some blows, and then there's a whole complicated series of events that follows that uh, sees somebody pay a bribe to Latvian authorities, and the whole thing is hushed up. So the whole thing sounds incredibly damning, both of the player, uh, of the system in place. Uh, it, it makes Panarin look like this kind of guilty schoolboy who ran away from his his misdeeds uh, and had them covered up by someone else. And now he's sitting in Russia far, in, so now he's sitting in the United States, uh, criticizing, of course, Putin. And and so, th- so I think the main thing, obviously, is that the timing of this interview is very strange. It comes uh, a month after Panarin, as you guys have talked about, I'm sure already, uh, put out that Instagram, that Instagram uh, of uh, Alexei Navalny, we can get into Navalny in a moment. Uh, you know, expressing his support for this very prominent dissident in Russia. And it takes place also in this context where you're seeing more broadly a real tightening of civil society, a deepening of repression throughout Russia. Um, Vladimir Putin, the president, of course, his popularity is slipping, and there are parliamentary elections coming up later this year. So the general climate in the country is one uh, where all sorts of critics of the regime are falling afoul of its various uh, um, mechanisms of uh, clamping down on dissent. So this could be part of it, but again, we don't, we don't, we can't know for certain, you know, this, this is something I'm, well, I'm happy to get into. And I'm I'm sure you guys have curiosities about, but uh, that's, that's kind of the synopsis of it so far.
1: Well, I, I I think the overlying theme and maybe even the, title of this week's episode is essentially we don't know everything and we won't know everything but one thing i do think is very helpful not just to us but for ranger fans out there and honestly americans uh, casual americans who might not watch the news on a nightly basis is there's always been a fascination with panarin about his willingness to speak out against our t- uh vladimir putin and every time it comes up there's like, oh, that's interesting or, oh, this is good to see from either us on the podcast or beat writers or just any foreign affairs officials anywhere in the United States. But we've never truly understood the consequences of that action because those consequences don't necessarily exist in the same realm here in the United States. So, Ishan, I, I think it's important. Could you put into perspective what it is for someone like Artemi Pader to simply say he doesn't support Vladimir Putin? It's a
3: pretty big deal. Uh, You know, he gave this interview uh, on a YouTube channel in 2019 that was probably the most uh, damning uh, sort of statement at the time because it's not just that he complained about Russia or that he complained about, uh, you know, something atmospheric about the country. It was specifically about Putin himself and about the fact that we don't need him to be uh, this, you know, all-powerful uh ruling president be there anybody else could take over the job and be just as good. He said some pretty strident things there. He um it's not as if he's you know constantly going on about Putin. He's not somebody who's overtly political. He's made a few conspicuous statements over the years and and he's you know volunteered his his grievances here and there. But it isn't as if he's some sort of dissident. He's not he's a hockey player. Uh but nevertheless, yeah, absolutely he has been this guy who uh, is willing to speak up, and that you know the the parallel to be drawn is between him and Alex Ovechkin, right? Mm-hmm. Because because Ovechkin is you know he's a he's sitting here in the nation's capital, uh, a beloved you know Washington D.C. based athlete, uh, he can do no wrong in the eyes of Caps fans, but is uh, you know a total apologist for Putin uh, ahead of the 2018 elections in Russia. He sort of launched the social media campaign saying he's team Putin. Um, Putin was at his wedding. Right. There's that. And, you know, in 2019, after Panarin's interview, Ovechkin um, kind of laughed. You know, he didn't defend anything. He didn't defend what Panarin said, didn't defend Panarin's right to say what he said. Uh, So, you know, it's easy to to pay attention to uh, the people who, uh, you know, stick their necks out. But there's a whole ocean of players who are doing the, the exact opposite, uh, and 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 yeah, absolutely. I think Panarin was taking a risk. At, although, you, I talked to some folks in who are closer to the story in Moscow, who say, you know, don't overstate it. You know, there are plenty of Kremlin critics who live overseas. There are plenty of celebrities in Russia who who say relatively risky things on social media. Uh, It is not super unique in a sort of, in a broader sense, but yeah, absolutely. As far as the NHL goes, Panarin is a pretty unique voice and has been using his platform as this marquee athlete in a pretty unique way.
2: Is he one of the, I mean, from what I know, he's one of the only hockey players in the United States to really kind of stand out and post this pro, is it, is Noveli is his name? Navalny. Navalny, as you know who I am. Uh Naval, <laughs> Navalny uh statement. I know if you could just educate us real quick on kind of what the opposition leader is going on I know this is like a 17-hour seven, story, but is there a quick synopsis for people who don't know exactly what's going
3: on? Sure. Uh you know, in a in a healthier democratic setting, someone like Alexei Navalny would be just a a normal pretty talented politician but he's become something of a kind of like Nelson Mandela type figure in Russia. Now he's an outspoken um, political activist. He has a huge network of supporters and activists in 40 offices across the country. So he has real political power in Russia in a certain way, but that's made him a huge target of the state over the years. Uh, He's now currently in prison and he had an appeal uh, over a set of what are Widely viewed as trumped up political charges, uh, thrown out this weekend, and so he's now going to be sent off for a couple of years to a penal colony. And the reason why uh, Panarin made that Instagram post in January was in re- in reaction to the proceedings, the legal proceedings against Navalny at the time. Remember that just just last year, Navalny uh, was poisoned yes. and almost died by uh, by you know when we believe he was. Poisoned by Russian authorities, of course the Kremlin denies that, and and you know was revived in hospital in Germany, and then decided to go back to Russia, and that's where he fell. If he faced legal charges, and now he's being thrown into, into prison. So he's an incredibly prominent figure, and what Russia, what the Russian authorities are doing to him, is kind of this snapshot of a wider story of, of tightening repression, and it's really kind of, it's the kind of central political fault line when you think about Russian politics and the Russian story right now.
1: I promise there's going to come a point in this podcast where I ask you the question of how does this impact the New York Rangers' attempts to trade for Jack Eichel later this summer. (laughs) But that point in time is not right now. Is it? I'm trying to think of a way to ask this question. So apologies if I I end up asking it bluntly. And feel free to uh, soften the edges for me as I do it. Is it a surprise to you that Panarin is choosing to step away from the game right now to figure this all out? Did that shock you at all that a story from this specific coach who, in the words of Russian media, is a drunkard and is volatile and will do anything to look good in the eyes of Vladimir Putin? Is it – on what level of curiosity does it bring it to you that Panarin – this story from this specific coach – Panarin stepped away to go figure some stuff out.
3: Yeah, I, I frankly don't get it. Uh, and people I talk to in Moscow who follow hockey and Russian politics don't get it either. They, you know, Someone I talked to suggested that it makes him almost look kind of guilty. And it's a bit confusing, especially when the Rangers, Panarin's agent, uh, even the NHL have come out fully in defense of him. For him to step away from the game, uh, i mean it, it, this is a personal issue it's it must be a, a source of great stress and and conflict for him internally who knows so it's not for me to question his decision but i i the optics look strange and, and i'm curious what your your guys thoughts are on this and then um and then yeah if you, if you think about sort of vaguely parallel is, uh, situations in other sports i know you guys are big in american sports and baseball but i i pay attention to soccer elsewhere and when cristiano ronaldo uh, faced a much more legit sounding set of accusations about sexual assault. This is the famous soccer player at juventus mm-hmm. uh, Juventus you know a came out totally behind him throughout you know totally dismissed these allegations and if I remember correctly, didn't have a single you know effect whatsoever on his on his uh playing schedule or his performance. Maybe this was in the off season but but you know there are other precedents where a player has not had to kind of go into hiding or disappear off the stage uh, in situations where the charges are murky, but you know, this is a domestic violence charge or this is a violence charge and there are protocols of this, especially if some kind of legal investigation gets opened up, whether it's in Latvia or by Russian authorities, I don't know how it it would work. And then the NHL would maybe have to respond to that, but, uh, again, so much of this is murky. So we we can only speculate about the motivations behind uh, what Nazarov said and why he said it now, and why that newspaper decided to push for that interview now. And uh, we can only speculate about what Panarin's doing.
2: It's uh, to me really. It is strange that he stepped away. I thought my first thought was, well, there's way more to this story if he took if he took a leave of absence. There is, we're, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Almost everything that I read on Twitter or anybody doing reporting over in Russia pretty much calls the allegations bonkers uh, and that, that all the stories don't match up. And it could just be a coach that's just spewing nonsense and someone's just listening to him after they put a microphone in front of his face. That could have been the case. But to me, ste- Artemi Panarin taking a step away uh, to for from hockey, what, not that the Rangers are in any, you know, great position to make a tremendous run here and win a Stanley Cup. They are not. They're a team that is uh, playing okay hockey, but are not cup contenders. Is very strange because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop now. I'm kind of sitting here waiting for, well, what else is there? Or is, is, I mean, that allegation is enough if it is true. But to me, with everyone out there at this point in time reporting, well, we don't believe this allegation to be true. the hotel says doesn't happen. There's no accuser currently. It's it's by a person that really no one believes in general and has been pro-Kremlin and pro-Putin pro, pro, pro in general. I don't know why else Artemi Panarin would step away unless he felt his family was in danger at this point due to some reasons, maybe politically or otherwise. I can't, there's nothing else. And maybe there's a piece I'm missing here you can enlighten me on, but that would be That's my number one theory. And that's my opinion. But that's, that's what I lean to at this point in time.
3: Yeah, I mean, I saw that reporting in a bunch of the stories. I mean, not that reporting, I saw that that speculation really Mm -hmm. in a bunch of the pieces put out by the beat writers. Uh, I, I I don't know. Again, I I did pose this to somebody in Moscow, (laughs) uh, who suggested that maybe a bit overblown. That's the idea that there's pressure facing Panarin's family or relatives left in Russia at this Got point. Um, I, uh, again, you know, the thing is if you believe if we be- if we are to believe what the Rangers said, which is that this is, this is nonsense. It's a politically motivated uh, charge and it's a politically motivated event. Um, then, you know, you would sort of, as a Ranger fan, and, you know, not, not only does it suck that uh, your best player is not playing for you because he's under political attack elsewhere. It also sucks because you'd want to see the rest of the team rally around him. You'd want to see the team, you know, him with our guys. And, and, and this, you know, this is obviously a strange year. And for, you know, (laughs) I mean, in the context of everything that's happening in the world, uh, this is just one more thing. Yes. But uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that you can't see, a show of support for him. You can't see, you know, him score a goal and get congratulated by everybody and, and hugged. Uh it's a shame that you can't have fans cheering him on, uh rallying around him there too. Uh and yeah, him going away and and, and who knows? And I'm curious what the Beat reporters will, will get to find out about how long he's gonna be gone for. Uh it's it's a terrible look and it's a terrible, it's terrible news for this team.
1: At but- what point not to cut you off, no, Ryan, but it, it is what I love to do the most. I know. Um, we we mentioned, or um, Ishan, you mentioned Ovechkin earlier on this podcast, and it's worth kind of revisiting that relationship. At what point we, and I include Ryan and myself, because we have always actually said usually very nice things about Ovechkin and how entertaining he is and how great of a goal scorer he is, but at what point do we need to be a little bit more reflective on, our personal relationships with Alex Ovechkin and at what point at what point we're, we're sitting here at 8 6 p.m on a Monday night this entire story has happened the Rangers have come out with a strong statement the NHL has come out with a strong statement. his agent has come out with a strong statement and we haven't heard from Ovechkin and is it Ovechkin's job to comment on this story no but has anyone even asked him I feel like that's the number one guy I want to hear from right now
3: yeah that's a great point and uh, I'd love to see the context where Uh, that happens. I mean, maybe my colleagues will ask him uh, in in the next chance they get. Uh, You know, he's repeatedly said when he's been asked about Russia-U.S. tensions that he's not a political guy. It's not up to him. He's framed his support for Putin as just the fact that he's Russian and it's right for Russians to support their leader, which is in and of itself, you know, a pretty telling thing to say. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to get into the whole. Leave politics out of sports debate because I I genuinely believe that there's nothing that's that's not political in this world, and we are social animals, and sports reflect society uh, in many ways. But you know, if if we are as a fan base, or if we are as NHL, as you know, fans of hockey, going to pay attention to things like what Tony D'Angelo says and what Artemi Panarin says, we should also pay attention to things you know that someone who's an avowed Team Putin leader doesn't say. And, and absolutely, I, I would be curious. I think it would, it would make sense for any j- journalists covering the sport and covering the Capitals to be putting those questions to him.
1: Uh, I just, I'm going to point this out right now, because I, I did do a Google search of Alex Ovechkin right now to see if I had missed something today. And the, <laughs> the only post Alex Ovechkin related, uh, the NHL tweeted a video of the one-year anniversary of Alex Ovechkin scoring goal number 700, which was today. That is the only <laughs> Alex Ovechkin content that is out there, and it is tweeted out by the NHL. So that is, uh, as we call in the business, Ryan, a chef's kiss.
2: Wow. Well, we did bring you on because not only are you a foreign affairs columnist and much more educated than Greg and I, probably ten times fold— uh, you are also a ranger fan with artemi panera now what, what do you believe the, the chance well, before, oh.
1: actually I, I gotta i have a better question because you are a smart dude you are an intelligent dude you are one of the more fascinating follows that ryan and i have been able to meet through this odd journey we've been on why the hell do you listen to
3: us <laughs> <laughs> we're dummies honestly guys uh, you guys I outsource all my thinking on the Rangers to you. you guys wow. tell me what to think about the Rangers Here it because I don't have time Rangers. to like digest everything you guys do. your gut instincts have now become my gut instincts. Um, I think we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff when it comes to the the this kind of the analysis that tires us that, 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 that infuriates you guys about hockey and and the ways in which this league works. And so I just love it. you know I need you twice a week. Uh, wow, to, both of them, and the, the OT, the,
2: Jesus. Oh,
3: definitely OT, yeah, for sure. Um, to cleanse my brain a bit of everything else.
2: We're here for you, bud. Uh, I'll let you know, I don't think it's going to be really easy for the New York Rangers moving forward facing a Boston Bruins team who have just absolutely demolished over the last, from the start of the season. And uh, to play them pretty much Friday to Saturday after getting the Flyers on Wednesday, I'm predicting a very, very rough week for the New York Rangers who have just lost not only Capococco to, to COVID uh, protocols at this point in time, even though he was just on COVID protocol like a couple days ago. Now now it's probably official that he has it. Uh, we cannot say that for sure. We are not confirmed on that. But they uh, David Quinn did say today he's going to be out. He doesn't know when he's going to be coming back. So that's my assumption that he's sort of, even though there, there's limited symptoms according to David Quinn again, uh, he's kind of facing the, the COVID itself. Now that brings us to the thing where we have no Artemi Panarin, no Capokako, no Jacob Truba, no Philip Hedl. <laughs> and this this entire year, uh, you're you're going to be playing Brendan Smith, who I like. Obviously Hayek and some other players are going to be out there. They've done well. But but you you listen to us and you you watch the team. It's a struggle. It it really is to lose Artemi Panarin to something like this is devastating for any chance. If you had if you had a 1% chance at making the playoffs, it's now zero. So where do we go from here in your opinion?
3: Look, I think we all agreed at the beginning of the season that this season, uh, you know, to use a cricket term, which uh, I guess is an educational one for you guys, this season was a bit of a full toss, as in whatever happens, you just hit the ball. and And that's what's happening. We're seeing a bunch of players that we didn't think would uh, excel like keandre miller oh. uh where you know worse comes to worse we get a really high pick in the first round <laughs> that we can trade for jack eichel uh and you know i am enjoying it we're the youngest team in the league uh we don't have the kind of you know what i felt in the last half decade this kind of depressing crippling moral responsibility of the rangers to give henrik lundquist the cup that is that that, that that ghost of that is at least gone So I don't really care what happens when we finish. I just want to see them try and play and age. I mean, it was a really beautiful moment to see that Panarin pass to Lafreniere and that goal. Uh, Obviously, we won't be seeing many of those passes in the next few weeks, or who knows how long Panarin's going to be out. I
2: think it might be the end of the season, if I'm being honest with you. I really do. Wow. Okay,
3: well, I mean, yeah.
2: It's a gut feel. I don't know what it was, but right away I was like, I don't see a situation where he kind of quote-unquote rushes back. If you st- if you step away, it's for it's for real good reasons. You don't just you're not just one of the highest paid players in the NHL and one of the most talented people who clearly loves the game. You can't just like can you take like a couple days off? Then you say you're taking a couple days off, like a week or two to, you know, well, I want to settle my things. I'm going to try and get back as soon as possible. To step away, or the way at least it was quoted, to me, reads the rest of the season. I am so, so, so happy to eat crow on this, Ishan. I really, really am moving forward, yeah, but well, I, I, I just don't know, think I as am. A,
3: as a Rangers fan, I, I hope you do eat crow on this. Same. Uh, because, you know, obviously we should not discount the validity of this, even though it does seem very dubious. This is still uh, an allegation around something quite serious and we should not discount that. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, when it comes to this team that we support and, and watch and spend a lot of time, uh, you know, thinking about, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of, for me, it's all, it's all house money. Uh, I think this season has been fun, even though there've been some tough games to watch uh, because, you know we know what we have we have a lot of great raw materials we have a lot of players who are going to get better who are getting better um it sucks that headel is out because he's somebody that yeah. was really fun to watch and and um you know could have had his kind of breakout season this year but maybe we'll, he, when he comes back he will be you know back to that form that we saw um and and we'll go from there and also it's such a strange season. This is, you know, there's no barely any fans in the stands. It's shortened. I mean, I think we all kind of agree that this is not a real season.
2: No, it's not. So,
3: so I'm not I'm not too heartbroken. I, I, I do obviously want things to turn out well for Panera, and I want this team to, to not have a totally demoralizing collapse. Uh, and I don't think they will. You know, I think there is enough heart and fight and talent on this team to to have respectable performances, to pull out some unlikely victories, to to make it respectable, and and that's all that frankly matters.
1: I got I got to tell you, the Seattle Mariners are in 100 percent agreement that this season is fubar, and you should not be taking it seriously. <laughs> uh, I also I also will take a point of offense there, sir. I have been in lockdown for over a year now. If you don't think that I have participated in recreational activities with some friends and have watched 2 a.m. cricket on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> Sir, you are wrong. I have watched Whoa. a ton. So I now know way more about cricket than I ever thought I would. But that is also besides the point. Uh, okay. My question for you. As someone who is, again, a foreign affairs correspondent and columnist for an establishment like the Washington Post, is it more frustrating to deal with talk on Twitter about euro governmental relationships or whether the rangers should fire david quinn
3: (laughs) (laughs) i i um you know one is uh one is uh, you know much more interesting than the other and that that would be uh david quinn you know uh banter because the, the the european story is the most you know cripplingly boring one over over it doesn't really change very much um but but to to really answer your question I, I find the whole chat about quinn a i don't actually see very much of it so my experience of the chat about david quinn is mostly through your irritation about the chat about david Quinn. yeah um, we apologize sorry but uh but yeah i mean you know i i, I, I give him time uh, there's no reason uh to, to to you know it's not as if the NAL is teaming with coaching talents right there are other you no know, again to bring up soccer you know they're there's so many instances where it's obvious that a different coach could do better. I don't know if that's really true with the Rangers and especially this team of babies. And you want somebody who's going to teach the babies and he seems to be doing a good job. A are, good you enough try- job.
1: are you trying to suggest that Emmanuel Macron cannot manage a penalty kill?
3: <laughs> there's a lot of things he's not managing right now. But he, did, he he did manage to um, get his, uh, his soccer team Olympique Marseille into the champions league last year by by kind of ordering the end of the French soccer season. So well, he, he, he's, yeah, there are a lot of politicians who, who wanna get, get involved in sports in various ways.
1: Boris Johnson is not one of them, right?
3: Well, Boris Johnson, well, yeah, you've seen, I mean, all, you've seen that viral video of him uh, playing soccer and, and, and basically launching the worst tackle in the history of sports. It's, it's <laughs> worth checking out. Uh,
1: every every uh, video of Boris Johnson is a viral video. We should. I think we should have you on more because we're gonna. For, we have a lot You're of. You're not busy, listeners right? In the UK, so <laughs> they might actually take offense to that. But I, I don't know if any of them would take offense to that. I guess I shouldn't uh, assume what our UK listeners think or understand. But I feel like if we become just like a European politics podcast, then we can get out some.
2: Dude, we already horse race. We do the way. Mets. We do gam Like, what else do you want,
1: my man? <laughs> I, I just want. I want thoughts about whether. You know, the Yugoslav states are recovering after the collapse of the empire in the 1980s should, and 1990s. Should they have bought
2: Bitcoin? <laughs> That's my question. All right. Um, with, <laughs> it should. Never mind. In in this situation, and I'll, I'll just—I guess this is not really my final question, but one that I—we I, promised we'd talk about. In your heart of hearts, is Jack Eichel a New York Ranger opening night next year?
3: Uh, yeah. yeah me too. Sure. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> nice.
3: I. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, maybe you guys have already talk, talked through various packages. We know. have not.
2: Uh, we're, we, okay. we were going to do this entire podcast of just Jack Eichel packages and fun stuff, and then you know, little story came out. So stop doing that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'll only say that I thought about the players I don't want to trade, and I don't know about you guys, but I am, I am, I am pro now at this point after seeing what I've seen this season, uh, surrendering Mika over Hedl. And maybe Mika over Bucinevich. Because, you know, for me, the the other thing about this season that's been amazing to watch is that Bucinevich is now becoming, like, he's the heir to Zuccarello. Uh, He is the kind of, especially now that he's killing penalties, he's this kind of super talented, uh, charismatic, uh, fun guy who could be an amazing kind of fixture in this team for years to come. Captain Happy. And I'm... Yeah, exactly. And I, I just... I would rather have him around than, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, you know, you guys began the season by by imagining a future where Bushnevich is very much on the market, and I, I'm sure we're all kind of revising that, uh, revising that stance. But yeah, I don't know. I would welcome you guys. To, I'd love to be the one to tease out your first proposed package.
2: I will. I well, will say this. I'll get this out of the way. I've been very public about this. The New York I don't believe the New York Rangers will part ways with Lafreniere, Adam Fox, or Capococco in this package. Despite what anybody else says and experts around the league that say, hey, they're going to need to include one of these people to make this trade happen. That will not happen because in the history of people who have been disgruntled trying to leave their team, they've never gotten the best package possible. The best package possible includes Capococco or includes Lafreniere. Now what do you have to trade after that? Well, you definitely have to include this for your first round pick. Cause it's going to be high. You definitely have to mm-hmm. include probably another first round pick afterwards. You probably have, you almost certainly have to include Niels Lundqvist. Kravstov is probably in there. And then the rest of it is sort of fill in, choose your own adventure, fill in what they ask for. Uh, that's at least the starting point for me is one or two picks, likely two. And the 2022 draft is absolutely loaded to the gills. And people really want those picks. And I know Jack Eichel's contract is quite phenomenal, and he is a young, under-control center for a long amount of time. But Capococco and Lafreniere will not, at least in my opinion, and Adam Fox is absolutely a lock to stay on this team, be being traded for Jack Eichel. I think they would rather just hold on and see what they have.
1: Yeah, I I, I will piggyback off that by saying the original points I was going to make on today's podcast before, you know, things happened, was I was going to challenge anyone to name the last time a true star player was traded for equal value. It just, it doesn't happen because here, the reason it doesn't happen is simple. If Jack Eichel doesn't want to leave Buffalo, he's not going to leave Buffalo. The only reason the Sabres will trade Jack Eichel is because Jack Eichel makes it permanently clear that he doesn't want to be there anymore. And when you're trading someone that doesn't want to be there anymore, you're not going to get full value back for them. I think, I, 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 I guess the closest we've seen in sports to, equal value in a trade i mean even the anthony davis trade to the lakers you're kidding yourself if anyone thought Brandon ingram was going to become a star or marketable player it's it's nice that it's developing in that way but that is not the player you thought you were acquiring when you made that trade it's and it, i look at look at buffalo the last couple of trades they made involving stars they didn't get anything for ryan james O'Reilly. harden
2: man they traded um, all the picks in the world but that's all the picks in the world that's it
1: yeah the, yeah and but and those picks will be meaningless if the Nets are actually good and they're late first round picks in the NBA, where for every one Emmanuel quickly you find there are seventeen other Jared Jordans. Shout out Maris College. Um, it's I, like you you have to look at a trade like, um, oh man, like Nolan Arenado didn't get traded for anything. The Mets didn't trade anything for Francisco Lindor. The NFL doesn't really and, do trades. And I, but when and Greg, the-
2: just to cut you off because I'm I love doing it too. I don't think I I don't think people are really putting into perspective that Buffalo plays in a small market and some teams have imposed self-salary caps and they will be struggling. There have been many stories about how NHL franchises are actually crying poor constantly and do not make any money, especially with no fans in the stands. And if you don't think they don't want to pay Jack Eichel that money, especially because they're paying Jeff Skinner nine million dollars a year currently to ride the bench. They have a lot of money issues up there, and that's also going to force the price to come down for Jack Eichel. It just, no matter how good he is, no matter how he, how great he is for the franchise, and he's the franchise player, money comes into this. It plays a part, and with COVID and the pandemic affecting the league the way it has, it's going to drive the price down, similar to what Greg said with Nolan Arenado and Lindor for the Mets. They were able to pay a lot cheaper price because, well, they had the money, and the other teams just didn't, and that's that's frankly a fact. Right. Um, and, and-
1: not, not sorry, to cut I off mean... Ishan, but I, again, <laughs> we love doing it. I will say, just to, just to Ryan's point, the only place in the United States that doesn't consider Buffalo a small market is Buffalo. You <laughs> you won't be able to convince anyone there that they play in a small market. It's that simple.
3: Right. So, I mean, the the one trade that I think about a lot, just in terms of you know, this, the last blockbuster trade that the Rangers were part of, when we shipped our captain to Tampa, and Tampa did not give us point or circuit check. And I think about, like, okay, if we are taking Buffalo's captain, who are the point and Sigur Sergachevs sig- that we're not going to give back to Buffalo? And, you know, forget about Fox. Fox is our headman. Um, but in my view, it's Keonja Miller and Heedle. And I don't, neither of them should be in the package.
2: I don't think, and, I don't think they will be. I really don't. Yeah. I think Niels Lunquist and, and Kravstov. And that's why you mentioned Bucinevich earlier. And you know for a fact that we were big on the Buchnevich market. And for the Rangers to go out and see what they can get for Bucnevich this year and, and possibly next, if they do end up re-signing him for maybe another bridge deal, but I don't think that will be the case. I am now more and more likely feeling that they're going to extend him to a five or six year deal if they can from the five to six million dollar range, if if possible, or try and get one of these quote unquote pandemic deals uh, as players have been signing, because Kraftstoff was supposed to be his replacement on the right hand side. And I I don't, I believe if Jack Eichel is obtained, Kraftstoff will be one of the pieces that moves out. That might be one of the reasons that Brandon Brandon Schneider or Brandon Schneider might actually be in the package too. It could be Schneider. It could be Niels, It could be Kraftstoff. You know, the Rangers had insane right-wing depth at the beginning of this year. Now they have almost none, if, especially after that trade. Uh, if they do trade up, Brandon Schneider and Niels Longquist. it'll just be Jacob Truba and Adam Fox moving forward. But you don't need elite third pair of defensemen just to win a cup, but you probably do need elite first line centers. So that's that's where I think they'll they'll use the cupboard, go out there. They'll still Buffalo will still get a great package, like first two first round picks, a. a uh, a right winger, I'm uh, sorry, a right winger in Kraftsov, yes. A right-handed defenseman in Niels Lundqvist who is breaking a lot of SHL records and probably another prospect or two, maybe even Brady Schneider. Like that is, that's fair. That's not fair value, but that's a hell of a package to get for your captain and to kickstart your rebuild. It gives you like half a team, especially if you add Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom to that. Well, I gave you half <laughs> my squad at this point. You
1: know, you, 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 you'll you have a lot of
2: firepower. So there there will be a lot to break down there.
1: I will. Uh, since I haven't said my trade package yet, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something that could potentially be unpopular, but I think it's the only way Buffalo gets true value for Jack Eichel. And I, I'm gonna say that it's gonna be a three-team trade. I don't know who the third team's gonna be yet. And I'm gonna tell you right now that Mika Zibanejad is not gonna play for the Sabres or the Rangers next year. But Zibanejad will go to a third team. And that third team will send assets to Buffalo along with the assets, the Rangers send to Buffalo for Jack Eichel. It could be,
3: that is a big shout. It could be,
1: I, I, I just think of, think of teams that could possibly be, want to be in the market for a center of that caliber. I'm not saying necessarily Seattle, but it's hard not to rule out a team like Seattle making a move like that. But just think about, think about, Think about a team like the Oilers, if they wanted to get involved. It would have to be a team that truly believes they can extend Mika Zibanejad and that Mika Zibanejad would do well in that market. And I don't think Buffalo, considering everything that's happened with Jeff Skinner, is necessarily in the market to trade Jack Eichel, a $10 million center, for a center coming off a down year that is going to make at least $8 million himself. But I bet you you can find a third team that wants that and would want to give something up of value for that. And that's how the Rangers get Jack Eichel. You get a third team involved. You trade Mika Zibanejad to that third team. All the assets go to Buffalo. Celebrate.
3: Well, th- yeah, I mean, then you could see Mika Zibanejad. I mean, I love Mika. I wouldn't want to lose him. Um, I want him to, to, to find his form again. But, I mean, yeah. So, say say he gets, gets goes to Seattle. Uh, and the Seattle also gets Laney right? Because that's that's one of the rumors that are circulating now. That'd be a pretty cool first line.
1: That's pretty or good. Say say yeah. Dallas finally wants to get in the market where they need to feel an upgrade down the middle, and they trade someone like I, I don't know who it would be, but like someone like Rupe Heinz, maybe. Again, I have no. This is just me spitballing as I'm thinking of it. I didn't even think of this scenario 15 minutes ago, but as we were talking. To, to me, where it stands is I don't know why the Sabres would want Mika Zabinajad in return for Jack Eichel. But you could find a team that wants Mika Zibinejad, would want to trade assets for Mika Zibinejad. And you can package those assets with, like Ryan said, I don't see any way where the Rangers aren't giving up two first-round picks. I don't see any scenario where the Rangers aren't giving up Blundquist. I don't see any scenario where the Rangers aren't giving up Kravtsov. I think all four of those assets are also leaving as well. But you can get Eichel and maybe another piece back if you're also willing to move Z- Mika Zibanejad to a third seat at the table,
3: you, and you guys would be willing to part with Lundqvist,
1: you have willing, to, you have not I, I willing. An it's word. Jack Iper. yeah, it's yeah, it's it, I. We're sitting here saying there's no. We don't see any way where Fox isn't getting traded, Kako isn't getting traded, Lafreniere isn't getting traded. Miller isn't getting traded. If you at some point you do have to trade someone. If you
2: if you get Jack Eichel, Ishan, and you don't trade the four players that Greg just named, and you keep Lundqvist, throw the parade now. Like that is that is a robbery of all robberies in the NHL. You cannot get first line centers like that almost ever in any trade, and to to get them without giving up the three assets we talked about, Miller, and then uh, Niels Lundqvist, who has been breaking. Tons of records over in the AS- SHL and is one of the most offensively dynamic defenseman prospects out there. If if you were able to keep him and put him on as your third, your third right-handed defenseman, while you also still got Jack Eichel and you gave up like what off two first rounders, uh, Braden Schneider, and maybe a couple other prospects that you like, uh, celebrate because the real value of Jack Eichel is you should be able, you should have to trade Kako. You should have to. But they're not going to do that. That's not going to happen.
1: You also at some point have to give Rasmus Dahlin a reason to stay. And if you bring in another highly touted Swedish defenseman for him to play with, you're obviously increasing your chances of that happening. So it's the Rangers. The Rangers depth is so rich in terms of prospects that we can sit here and say, (laughs) it's not the end of the world for the Rangers to trade one of the five or 10 best prospects currently in hockey definitely on the defensive side and it's it's almost not that big of a deal if you're the New York Rangers I I can sit here and say that stars don't get traded for very much and mean it and it's true but at some point you do have to give up something like the Met whether you like Andreas Jimenez or not the Mets gave him up for Francisco Lindor whether you like Brendan Ingram or not the Lakers had to give him up for Anthony Davis whether you like Eric Branstrom or not the Sharks had to make that move to get Eric Carlson so it's – you do eventually have to trade something. Uh And if Niels Lundqvist is like the fifth or sixth most valuable something the Rangers have, that's ridiculous. But you also live with it every day of the week and twice on Sunday.
2: I just believe Branstrom was, uh, was Mark Stone, just to let you know. Oh, fair. You gotcha. are correct, sir.
1: You're
3: right. God, they did so many bad trades.
1: Yeah, it's incredible that they had Carlson, <laughs> Mark Stone. They, like <laughs> The Senators could be really good right now, and instead they're just – well, you know, cheap, in my opinion.
2: Anyway, so that was a rant at us of us, How, your personal rant for you.
1: <laughs> I
3: appreciate that. I feel honored.
2: Seriously, uh, we're going to wrap this up now, but I cannot thank you enough for taking the time and helping us and explaining us, talking New York Rangers hockey with us. Is there anything you would want to plug or anything you final parting shot you'd like to do on the Blue Shirts breakaway?
3: Well, uh, hopefully I can come back in the summertime when you guys have Please. nothing else to talk about. Please. And, uh, we can get back into you know whatever it is, uh, not related to hockey. <laughs> we, we, um, can do, uh,
1: we can do we could do summer transfer window. We can see do what, soccer. Uh, see see what Southampton did in the summer. I'll
2: I'll set that one out, Greg. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: I, I'm sorry, Greg. By the way, they've they've seemed to have slid back, slid back to reality a bit. Hey, we we got that
1: we got that point we needed against Chelsea, and we're in the FA Cup quarterfinals. It's not it's not all doom and gloom, and we have Bournemouth in the quarterfinal. If we don't advance to the semis. Then I'm gonna be a very sad boy.
3: Uh well, good luck. I I, I hope you guys do well. I, 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 I'm I'm I am i am i am I have a soft spot for Southampton and I like uh Hasenhold, the coach. He's he's quite a quite a character. I love um, that guy.
1: I never want him to leave me.
3: <laughs> he's definitely gonna leave you, you know, <laughs> like. Um but yeah, th- thank you guys. I um I no parting shots, just a for the listeners who uh want to hear my, you know rambling about politics and other things you can follow me on twitter at ishan tharoor uh i write a daily column and newsletter called today's world view uh which you'll find a link to it on my twitter site and you can subscribe for free it gives you my essay and a whole bunch of other washington post stuff so that's only if you want to to follow foreign affairs with me um but yeah thanks guys it's been a real pleasure and i'll be happy to chat hockey politics whatever it is down the road
1: how, how jealous is your brother going to be that you got on the podcast before he did?
3: My twin brother is super jealous, I'm assuming. Uh, and I should have <laughs> actually given him a shout out earlier. He and I have experienced, you know, lived and breathed the Rangers together for uh, many, many years. And uh, we were together. We were 10 years old when uh, when we won the cup. And uh, yeah, you know, every day, you know, I, I you know, I'm, we're texting every, during every game. And uh, yeah, maybe we can both come on as a joint package. Uh, at
2: some point we're, we're uh, a pro twin podcast as you might know
3: <laughs> i know but we're, we're only good twins there's no evil twin okay now. good that's good it. that's good
2: all right uh we're gonna end the podcast now uh uh just a, par- a party shot for me i think my audio might have been messed up at the beginning of this podcast i'm so sorry i'm gonna try my best to fix it if it isn't fixed already i love you please don't hate me you can follow me on twitter at orion Media you can follow greg at Blue Break. we'll be back later in the week with more breaking news and uh post game of the flyers love you guys bye